0: Well, welcome. I've got my guest today is, is um, Damien Miller, as the Superintendent West Yorkshire Police for Strategic Partnership. That's great. Welcome to the programme.
1: No, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah.
0: Now, so many initiatives, there's so much work being done by uh, West Yorkshire Police in Bradford in terms of safeguarding initiatives, preventative work, etc. But let's maybe sort of tease a few of them out if we could. I think we've got to say to everybody in all fairness that you've literally just arrived in this post and you've inherited from somebody who was very, very involved in things for the last few years and so you've picked up quite a few threads. But obviously you're not new in the police, you don't suddenly become a superintendent overnight. So could you tell us just a little bit about your history and and how you came about to be here?
1: Yeah, certainly. Um, Nearly 20 years service now as a police officer. Uh, The last four and a half of which i spent within Bradford, so I'm not new to Bradford, Um, I was promoted to superintendent in Bradford and had the uh, role for superintendent operations, which is basically the day-to-day performance, the day-to-day delivery of policing within Bradford. So if you picked up a phone to phone the police, it was one of my officers or one of my members of staff within Bradford who took that call. And prior to that, I was also a chief inspector here and ran the partnership and also neighbourhood policing as well. So quite a lot of experience within Bradford. Just a little. Just a little, yes. (laughs) Okay.
0: Well, okay. So now this new role that you've got, um, I mean, what are the kind of key kind of indicators that you've picked up so far that you think are, you know, very, very important to it in terms of what your force is doing because I know there's an awful lot of, well, the key's in the word partnership, isn't it? There's an awful lot of joint work going on. Do you want to sort of talk, let's talk about child sexual exploitation to start with, because that's a huge initiative, isn't it?
1: It is a huge initiative, and you know the, the investment that we've put into that area of uh, you know, recent years has been vast, because certainly for, for myself and my experience within my organisation, we have certainly moved from the... The era of being concentrated on serious acquisitive crime to managing threat, harm and risk and actually understanding people's vulnerabilities. So it's, it's a changing world and, you know, it's changing on a daily basis. So for me, coming into my new role and obviously picking it up from Vince Firth, the previous superintendent, who's done some marvellous work. I've worked quite closely with him over the last four and a half years anyway, and have been involved in in a lot of that work. Um, Not always directly, a lot of it indirectly, because some of my staff would provide those services. So for me, it's about improving that partnership response to managing threat, harm and risk, and more importantly, people's vulnerability. And the the biggest issue that we have with CSE um, that I'm finding is sometimes people don't actually realise that they're vulnerable or at risk. Uh, and some of the investigations that we currently have ongoing obviously I can't go into too much detail uh, prove difficult because the victim don't always see themselves as a victim so it's about that partnership response about getting all that supportive measures in place to basically help support them and actually in time for them to hopefully realize that they are a victim And provide us that information that intelligence that we need to get successful prosecutions
0: now your staff are part of what I think is a marvelous initiative which is a a, it's called called a safeguarding hub Mm -hmm. and it meets um, I mean key people from it meet every single day and look through maybe 30 to 40 cases a week in terms of young people who are either missing missing from education but all are missing from home or considered to be seriously at, at risk from from exploitation that's quite an investment isn't it, I mean would, would you agree with me that it's paying off
1: It, it certainly is paying off because um, with all types of policing no matter what offence you're looking at the earliest that you can actually get in there and prevent that um, is the best thing so for me the, the more upstream that we can get the better, we can safeguard people better, <clears throat> excuse me So for me, the MASH, the multi-agency safeguarding hub that you're referring to there, that's about proper, true, integrated partnership working. It's about us all being in the same room, working under the same roof. And for me, that whatever area of policing, the more that you can do that across the partnership, the better that we can be. So the investment that you talk about there is we have a team embedded within a local authority building working hand in hand with the local authority staff, social workers, Um, and Bernardo's and other third sector organisations that, you know, when that first report comes in, we have the various people already sat around the table. And one of the biggest blockages in the past has been in relation to information sharing because on the police systems, we'll hold so much information, but we don't have everything. We need to know what's on um, the social records. We need to know what's on the education records. We need all that because... One piece of the jigsaw won't necessarily give you that overall picture. And what we need to do is piece it together. And when you're in the same room, we've overcome the issues about data sharing because we're all signed up into the information sharing agreement. We do it the correct way. So if we're ever inspected, you know, we've, we've crossed the T's, we've dotted the I's. But more importantly, that information, that intelligence is at hand to safeguard individuals. So the more that we can put in there, the more that we can invest that into that area of business, the better that we can be, because we will be more upstream of the problem.
0: In 20 or 30 years that I had of managing teams and safeguarding and so forth, I mean, I've seen such a change in um, understanding, intelligence, attitudes from all the agencies. I I remember way back at the very beginning that the child protection offering, if you like, from police forces used to be just one or two policewomen or whatever who were kind of tasked with that. But the understanding and the change in in, in in kind of the way that the police respond has been huge. And this idea of, it's almost like a supermarket, isn't it? As opposed to a whole collection of corner shops coming together now under one roof. It just seems to make so much sense. Do you find that you can get more done that way as opposed to as it was before? Or is it the same amount of cases but you just get more intensely involved in each, or a quicker res- resolution? Which, which, what's the outcomes?
1: Uh, I, think, I think the outcomes are is, um, ultimately, the way that we set up now, we can better safeguard individuals, certainly children, uh, if we, we're sticking to the CSE agenda. I, I think what, what you will see is the demand is increasing. Yeah. The demand that's coming to the front door, that's having to be assessed is increasing, hence why we're having to invest more and more into this, this this particular area of threat, harm and risk. But by us all being in that same room, by us being able to share that information intelligence, the way that we can actually reach a decision on uh, if somebody is at risk or not, and then ultimately what is the course of action from that point, yeah. we can do that a lot quicker. Whereas before, we would be set in separate buildings, separate departments, trying to overcome the information, Maybe having to pick up the phone to make a phone call, having to send an email, whereas now it's literally you can walk from one desk in one office across the corridor to the other and get that information more or less straight away. So the demands coming in is increasing. The way that we can churn that is a lot quicker because we've got everybody in the right room and then ultimately coming to a result, an action, an outcome is a lot quicker um, but the, the threat is that ever-increasing vulnerability because you've, you've got to remember, certainly within Bradford, across the country, we've put a lot of investment into training frontline staff to recognise the signs of not only CSE but people's vulnerabilities. Yeah. Let's talk, you know, adult safeguarding as well. We need to recognise recognise those signs. And because we've done that, there's more and more intelligence coming in. There's more and more inquiries coming into that front door. And for me, that isn't a bad thing. That needs to continue mm. increasing, increasing, increasing. We've just got to make sure, as a partnership, we have then the capacity behind the scenes to deal with that
0: demand. People would say that, and I think the same applies to social workers too now, that police officers in this particular discipline, this, that particular field, and social workers the same now are more trusted in terms of what they're offering the public. So whether it's you're a survivor of historical abuse or whether you're currently having problem, that you're more likely, as you said, to come forward and you're more likely to ask help or to tell your story. The difficulty about that, of course, is that it makes for more people that you're having to deal with all the time with slightly diminishing resources in some cases in terms of boots on the ground, if you want to put it like that. But would you agree that that's the... As well, let me add this, because in my view, law enforcement seems to be good in terms of keeping up with identifying perpetrators, and some of the high-profile cases you might like to mention too recently in Bradford have showed that. But on the other hand, I know your predecessor and I had lots of conversations about this. What's available for victims... Is not necessarily it's not necessarily, as I said, a police task, but it is a police interest, and it doesn't really match up to what we should be having in terms of therapeutic support. Mm. Now, all these things, would you would you think these are all fair points?
1: I think they are fair points because you know you've got to look at what's in the media uh, and how uh, certainly CSC has been portrayed in the media and some of the historic jobs that have gone on in the past. It has, because of the results that, you know, not only West Yorkshire, but other forces have ultimately gained at court and some lengthy convictions. You know, only the other week we had another group jailed for lengthy sentences for, uh, you know, child sexual exploitation. It encourages people to come forward, whether they're currently victims of CSE or historic victims of CSE. Now, ultimately, that is a crime. That is uh, an investigation that we have to adequately put resource against. Now, I don't ever want to stop that. I want people to keep on coming forward, keep on telling us what's gone on, whether that's lifetime or historic or potentially might be further down the line in the future. Yeah. Now, the problem in relation to actually resourcing that issue then comes back to ourselves because we've then got to figure out you know, how do we resource um, this particular problem So we've had a massive restructure within our organisation, realigned resources, and you know, you mentioned about the previous, how we used to deal with child protection, about certain individual officers having those skills and abilities. What we've got to look at now is the majority of officers having a multitude of uh, skills and abilities, so they can actually work across the board, whether that's looking at adult safeguarding, child safeguarding, or even cybercrime, which is you know now on the increase, and you know, do we truly understand that uh, the demand that's going to place on us as an organisation further down the line?
0: Well, let's talk digital just for a second here, because, I mean, you brought it up, and I know it's a, it was a big issue before. Um, the chief constable who leads on um, child sexual abuse, in my understanding, is the chief constable of Norfolk, And he came out recently with a view that he said that there was about 50,000 cases in the country of what he called non-contact offenders, Um, you know, like mainly men, but, you know, sitting up in their bedrooms downloading child pornography. And he he called them non-contact. And we had a bit of a discussion about this, I remember, on a programme I was on with him. But, I mean, effectively, he thought they should be referred to the health service for therapy as opposed to going through the criminal justice system, which I kind of disagreed with because I think it's a question of supply and demand. Children were being hurt in order to satisfy them, but whatever. But also simultaneously, the BBC did a, 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 a put a, a, an information request through and found out that there were some forces who, unfortunately, because of the hardware seized you know, during a, a, a something like that, that they were having to wait for up to a year for it to be examined. Now, I asked I challenged West Yorkshire force on this, and I was really reassured that the fact that there was a much, much shorter wasting time and that human resources had been formed and transferred into a specific um, task force to examine this. Mm -hmm. I mean, personally, I was really delighted to hear that. And I think the board were reassured as well. Can you explain a little bit about that at the moment or what you've picked up so far? Because I I would love to hear that it's carrying on. It
1: it is, and I think it's like any sort of new um, crime wave that's on the horizon. Sometimes it does take us a little bit longer to actually catch up technology-wise. So previously, if if we were to execute a warrant um, on information, let's just say somebody's been downloading child porn or sharing child porn, we would have to seize previously every electronical device that potentially can connect to the internet, so that's TVs, that's computers, mobile phones, you know gaming machines, etc, and we would have to take that to our high-tech crime department, and that could take um, a seriously long time for them to get through each of those um, machines mm. and actually find the evidence for us the The sort of work that's on gone on, gone on now they actually come out with us. Uh, and you know I'm, I'm not an expert in this sort of area of technology but they now have the ability with the hardware that they've got to actually test each of those um, uh, machines that I've just mentioned there and tell us which ones to take away so we can actually prioritise what we're actually looking at so rather than us looking at absolutely everything we will prioritise those through the machinery that they've got to actually take that away and download that evidence because without it we can't successfully take that individual to court and get a prosecution.
0: I think for West Yorkshire, that's a success. And I think people have got to be aware of that. And I think anybody who's sitting in their house looking at child pornography better be aware of that as well, that this is something that will be resolved fairly quickly.
1: It will be because, you know, at the end of the day, I'm a great believer and I won't get into the ins and outs of what a Chief Constable wants to do. But ultimately, for me, it's an offence. And we will prosecute the offence. And then it's down to the courts to decide on the judgment and for me, and you know, I, I joined this job uh, as a young 20 year old male wanting to put something back into society because I was very lucky I got a lot out of society. So, my mission is to make you know Bradford, certainly around the world, the Chelsea ch- safeguard as best as it can be. Uh, you know, and that is my personal mantra. It doesn't matter what area of business I've worked in the past, it's always been. Let's do it the best that we can be. So for me, you know, the, the people out there who are committing offences, for whatever offenses we'll, we're looking over your shoulder. And at some point, it might not be now, it might not be tomorrow, but at some point we will come and get you and we will prosecute you. Okay.
0: And I guess the way you were nodding when I was asking was that you supported what I was saying too about we need to sort of really look into services for victims more.
1: Yeah, because ultimately... You know, we we, we need to get victims um, because the the, the offence that they suffer is horrific in the first place. What we've got to ensure is from that point onwards, they get all the support that they can to, you know, get them back into society um, and actually not not necessarily forget and move on because you can't, It's it's, you know, that that offence has happened to them. But to make sure that they then have the best restart in life as possible And sometimes because of the demand that's coming in and the demand that's placed on other services, it's not necessarily always there for us. Mm -hmm. And we need to make sure that the wraparound service, not just the investigation or the partnership approach, the whole wraparound uh, service is the best it can be for victims. Because the more that we can do that, the more victims will actually come out and speak to us. And more importantly, we'll actually say that ultimately they've got a result at the end of actually speaking to either the police or another organisation, and actually talking about yeah, it. Because, you know, yeah, you look at some of the historic stuff, you know, you, you read the papers, you listen to what's on the news, and some people who feel uh, scared of actually stepping out when they've been victims yeah. of child sexual exploitation. Yeah, it's wrong. Yeah. It shouldn't be like that. It
0: paralyses them for the rest of their lives sometimes. I mean, I, I think, I totally understand. Mm. OK, just a couple of quick things more, and then move on to something else. But late night food outlets and taxi ranks are always talked about as two key places, and I know that the force has done a lot of work to do with that. Do you want to just say anything you've picked up about that? or?
1: Yeah, we, we, we have done a lot of work, because ultimately these areas are open... Uh, you know, late into the evening, certainly in taxi ranks, normally 24 hours. So on occasions they have become quite focal points uh, for uh, young children. So we've worked with the necessary licensing agencies and we've we've done a hell of a lot of education work, uh, certainly with the um, taxi licensing and with fast food outlets as well. And certainly what we've always worked on um, within the police is hotspots. So we, we look at the intelligence, the information that we've got, uh, and we feed that into our systems, and we come up with hotspots. So for me, um, you know, it's a proven philosophy. If you patrol these hotspots, you can actually prevent offences, yeah. yeah. but more importantly, again, actually gain further intelligence information um, to help you police whatever it is the problem you're looking mm-hmm. at. So certainly in relation to child sexual exploitation, what we've worked with um, through Matt Catlow, who's one of my problem-solving officers within the CSE Hub, is looking at the wider policing family and actually getting support and help from the special constabulary as well. So these are people who, uh, you know, sworn police officers who have day jobs doing other things and have actually committed themselves, their time over the last 12 months of actually helping policing some of these hotspots. So the last 12 months, they've they've actually dedicated over 1,200 hours policing the hotspots. And we will put forward for a Lord Ferrer's Award this year. Well, I was
0: going to ask you about that. because like, you mention that. I was going to save it for the end, but please say about it. What is it? What was it? And, 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 and.
1: Well, the, the Lord Ferrer's Award, it was set up in 1993 to actually um, celebrate the uh, work that the uh, volunteers do to help policing. Because, okay. you know, you go back to Sir Robert Peel, what he said back in the day, the public are the police, the police of the public. We cannot police without the public's help. Mm-hmm. Uh, and ultimately, it's to, there to celebrate the success and the contribution that they give to policing. Um, so every force gets to put in, we put in for the work that they did, because we thought it was revolutionary. We thought it was really, really key to the issues that we're facing now as an organisation across the, the UK. Um, and fortunately, last week, they went down there and we won the award. So, you know, all 12 and Matt Catlow are actually celebrated for the success that they've done to actually safeguarding young children within Bradford.
0: Excellent. Now, if you want to, I guess you got a website and I guess you want people could read a bit more about that because I think celebration of success doesn't happen as often as you'd like it. And I think, you know, things like that are very, very important, not just to the morale of your staff, mm. but to the kind of like good, the feel good feeling of the public. So, I mean, there's a West Yorkshire Yeah, if you're on, on the West Yorkshire
1: yeah. Force website, all the news items in relation to what's going on, certainly around the Lord Ferrer's mm-hmm. ward and the wind there, is is all publicised on there and, and you know, on there as well. We put some of our key results on in relation to what we're getting at court as well.
0: Let me move on to something else then, just, just quickly, because, I mean, the prevent agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, th- there's been quite a bit of discussion to and from about this, but, you know, it's Success and or you know still needing more or whatever. I mean, what what's your understanding of um, how it's going and 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 you know what people need to be aware of um, or how they could even act, where 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 it's delivered, how it's accessed, etc. What it is.
1: Even. I think the easiest way, because obviously, prevent over the years has been portrayed uh, in numerous ways in various media outlets. Um, whether you're pro or against um, prevent. I think ultimately, the, the way I always describe... when should I Shall we see what it is first? Yeah, yeah well, I think no. I, I, if I just no. describe what it actually is, because I think this is the easiest way for right. people to understand is prevent is just about safeguarding people. So we're quite happily talking today about safeguarding children, and nobody has an issue with safeguarding children. And ultimately, prevent is about safeguarding people who could potentially be radicalised. And that is all what Prevent is about. And we all, statutorily, have a responsibility to provide uh, Prevent, to deliver Prevent, i.e. that if we have concerns about an individual, that we actually report that and we work with that that person. So it's not about stereotyping people, it's not about picking on one uh, individual sort of uh, um, religion or anything like that it's about safeguarding individuals and it's about collectively working as a partnership to safeguard that person before they may end up going down a
0: criminal route.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, now, partnerships in your title, mm-hmm. partnerships are all part of what we're talking about. You've mentioned it several times, you know, quite reasonably during this discussion. I mean, you're also now going to be joining the Safeguarding Children Board, mm-hmm. which I will be with you on. Yeah. I mean... As a last point, really, would you like to give a message out to the people of Bradford on behalf of West Yorkshire Police in terms of safeguarding not just children, but vulnerable adults as well? We recognise, you know, there's a blur. That, you know, it's not just all, always children. But in our case, we're talking about the children. I mean, and what you see as a, as a continuing commitment from the force and, and just a message to the people of Bradford.
1: I think the the people of Bradford can be reassured because you know certainly if you if you look in our policing plan, part of uh, the objectives within there is protecting the most vulnerable. And you know we are clear uh, within our own philosophy as a senior leadership team within Bradford, as as the chief officer team for West Yorkshire uh, is that we will protect the most vulnerable. and we will work in partnership with everybody to make sure that the response that people get is the best that it can be because for me, you know, this this is why we all join the job It's to serve the public, to protect the public, and and like you said, um, you know, vulnerability comes in all forms, all shapes. It doesn't just affect children; it affects the elderly and everybody in between as well for a number of reasons. So, no matter what the issue is, we would look at that and we would work in partnership to try and protect those people. And ultimately, if there is a criminal offence, bring the the perpetrator to justice.
0: Damien Miller, thank you very much indeed for joining us.
1: Oh, thank you.